You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me once again on Hey Mitch. I've brought back this podcast on the Geek Elite Media Networks because I have kind of come across the thing of enjoying interviewing people. So instead of just uh, random topics of you know movies or video games or whatever, uh, it's going to be a little bit more focused on what my subject wants to talk about or what they're into or what uh, uh, point of view they, they're coming from. So I've kind of turned Hey Mitch into a interview podcast. Uh, it's kind of a podcast I like to listen to. Uh, Nerdist, Kevin Pollock's chat show, Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of other great ones that are out there like, like that. So that's kind of what this is going to be now. I recorded this podcast with Ash from the Let's Rewatch podcast, a podcast I like to listen to myself. And when we recorded this, we were still Geek Elite Radio. So a lot of the stuff I say has to do with Geek Elite Radio. But just know that this is the first podcast of Hey Mitch in the 2019 year. And everything now is Geek Elite Media. So if you need to find us on Twitter, Instagram, or uh, Facebook, you can find us at Geek Elite Media. So, thank you, and I hope you enjoy Hey Mitch as it is now. Also, come to find out that I must have forgotten how to record my own audio properly, and it sounds pretty bad because it's the recording, the audio recording comes from the webcam that I was using to talk to Ash. So, her audio is great. Luckily, she does most of the talking throughout the podcast. My audio is not so great. Uh, I hope you guys can live through that. Thank you once again. Hey, Mitch. 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 Okay, Ash, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I hope you're having a good holiday season. I am. I'm not prepared, but... (laughs) I'm having a good time so far. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, came to know you through uh, your podcast that you co-host with a, a group of friends, I would assume. Uh, let's no, re-watch. I don't know them at all. Oh, it's just <laughs> random people you met on Craigslist? I get it. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're friends. Um, yeah, actually, fun fact, uh, Brett and Sam I went to high school with, so we've been friends a really long time. I won't say how long, so you know how I am. <laughs> well, I mean, I've kind of pieced it together that uh, you guys were in uh, Napa, right? That yes. area? Okay. Yeah, from Napa. Yep. So when did you make the transition to uh, L.A. Hollywood? Um, I moved here for film school. I went to a film school that no longer exists <laughs> called... <laughs> 
Brooks Institute of Photography that like horribly folded in on itself recently. But um, yeah, so I, I moved here for college and then just uh, got a job right away after college and just sort of stayed in the area and yeah. And, and I mean, how long have you been working in the industry? Oh God. Uh, I think almost like professionally nine years now, I think. Yeah. And then and professionally, professionally, what would that, what would you, what would your job be? Um, well, I'm I'm currently a, a freelance videographer, so I edit and shoot and direct footage for various clients. I do a lot of work for LinkedIn Learning and LinkedIn itself. They're kind of two separate entities, even though they're the same. It's a little confusing. LinkedIn.com. <laughs> I used to work at Lynda.com, and then I started freelancing about five and a half years ago. And, um, and so I still do a lot of work for them. I do a lot of work for like small businesses if they want a commercial for their product for online. And then I also do, um, I edit a reality TV show from time to time. It used to be like my main gig. And then I was like, Hey guys, I got to do other stuff. And then they they wrap me back in every now and again. They're like, we need help. Come back. So I still, <laughs> I still edit on the reality TV show that probably no one's seen, but it's called Full Custom Garage, and it's a car show. So I know way more about cars than I ever thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> I, when uh, you thought that you were going to be you know, working in uh, Hollywood and stuff like that, what was it that you wanted to aspire to? I've always wanted to be a director. It's funny, when I went to film school, like one of the first things they told us was they were like, everyone comes in and says that they want to be a director, but really you'll find out that you want to be something else. And I was always like, no, I want to be a director. I know I want to be a director. And I've always really stayed true to that. Um, I've loved storytelling since... I was like a kid, like a little kid. My, the story my dad always tells me is, um, they, you know, they had like the baby monitors and I would like line my stuffed animals up in a row. And my dad would hear me telling them stories over the baby monitor. So like, I've always known that I wanted to be a storyteller. And when I finally, it wasn't until like, cause I think a lot of people don't understand what a director does. Really? Like my mom for years would tell people that I was a producer and I was like, no, I'm not a producer. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, in fact, my boyfriend and I always laugh at those like trailers that are like from the producer of so-and-so and we're like, from the person who did the scheduling for this one movie and had no creative, you know, decision whatsoever. So the director like has way more creative influence than a producer. Um, but and it's different for for TV versus movies, but for movies, usually it's a director's vision. So once I sort of figured out what a director was in high school, I was like, oh, this is definitely what I want to be. And I've just always that's always been my goal since then. So when you were in uh, film school, was there one big surprise that, you know, you found 
when uh, you know doing the studies and doing the courses and stuff that you just didn't know went into making a movie, or were you pretty set? Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely lots of stuff like like if you want to be a filmmaker, go to film school for sure because um, and go to a film school that the the thing that I liked about my film school was like day one you're out there making short films versus other film schools like if you go to um ucla like you're gonna spend the first two years just learning theory which i think is also important but that having the hands-on experience was like major for learning lessons about like oh you know i didn't realize that i needed to do this or whatever so one thing that i i even went through film school and did not still when i graduated did not know about like much about is um cameras and lenses and like cinematography and lighting in general and it actually wasn't for like it was like I graduated uh I started working as a professional video editor because I knew that that was where I was going to make the money initially like you know nobody really hires you to be a director out of the gate usually (laughs) uh so um but I realized like very quickly like oh I don't know much about lighting and or or camera lenses or camera settings and so it took me about four years until I had the money to buy my own camera and I started shooting my own stuff um and I think I think even after buying the camera I still didn't shoot my own stuff for like several years and then I really started to learn about lighting and lenses and that was huge because you know, when it comes to, I'm a very visual person. So when I'm planning out a shoot or like when I'm, I'm a writer director, so I usually write what I'm directing. And when I write it, it's in my head. And I, and when it was in my head, I never knew the language of like, oh, well, this is shot on a 50 millimeter lens or, oh, I want very film noir lighting. Like I didn't really know how to do that. And so, um, over the past, five years of being a freelancer, I have pushed myself to learn lighting and cameras. And now I've discovered that I actually really love shooting. Like it's, it's something that I love almost as much as directing. It's very different. Cause like the nice part about shooting is like, I'll show up to sets as a camera operator and they just literally like, will plop the camera on me and I can just go. And it's like, just so nice to not have to spend days of preparing like I normally do as a director, you know, like as a cameraman, you just show up and they hand me this fancy camera with like a Zeiss lens on it. And it's like, (laughs) all right, you know, like shooting with a Sony F 55 or whatever. And it's, it's just, uh, so that was a big surprise for me that I actually didn't realize till after film school. It took me a long time to realize that I wish I had gotten into that much sooner because I really enjoy it. So speaking of the, the fact that or you said earlier that you were you've always been a storyteller. Was there one movie in particular that you watched and just opened your eyes to being like you wanted to work in the movie industry as opposed to writing books or, mm-hmm. you know? Well, so to answer the, the first part is uh, absolutely, and I know it's the cliche, but it's totally Star Wars. (laughs) 100% Star Wars. Uh, My dad is like a huge Star Wars fan, and he introduced me to Star Wars early, and I just, 
absolutely loved it and I loved everything about it and I just wanted to be Han Solo so bad but also (laughs) (laughs) but uh also I just wanted to like tell this story that would impact someone the same way that Star Wars impacted me which you know obviously Star Wars has impacted hundreds of people so um, yeah, that was the movie. And but the interesting thing that you you mentioned books, I actually started writing books. Oh. So when I was in middle school, I started writing, and I started like sixteen novels. Um, I finished one of them. One of them I have still been writing slowly throughout the years. Uh, it's still a work in progress, but it's like. It's like something like over 170 pages typed kind of thing. So that's always been a goal of mine, too, is to publish a novel um, someday. But I I finished one and unfortunately lost the notebook. (laughs) So that's unfortunate. That that is unfortunate and that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. So so speaking of writing, then... uh, how many projects would you say you have open at one time that you're working on? A lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently working on, uh, let's see, one, two, three, I think f- four, you could maybe say five, but one of them's like on the back burner right now because um, I had the shoot date lined up and everything and it just fell through with the actors, which happens sometimes, you know, it's not their fault. It's just anyone who's done filmmaking knows that there will, there's, there's never a perfect shoot. Something will always go wrong. (laughs) It's just, that's just the rules. You just have to roll with it. Um, but yes, I'm currently working on four. Um, cause I also, I have this problem where I like to take on a lot of different projects and sometimes it's not a good thing because I overwhelm myself. But, uh, but yeah, I, I hate free time. So I enjoy <laughs> filling it up as much as possible. My boyfriend jokes that I just can't relax. Like I have to have a project. Um, so yeah, I have four right now. I have a short, a short zombie film called zombie debt that's not released on my youtube channel yet because we're submitting it to um film festivals which is exciting uh and then i have the behind the scenes series that i'm working on for another short well it's kind of like a pilot episode um so there's the pilot episode is called infectious is the show and then the behind the scenes series is called zomcom diaries and it's like a whole behind the scenes series that I decided to take on that has become its own monster of a project. <laughs> and I've seen a few of those episodes that you put posted up yeah. so far. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And that was really cool because I, uh, I hired a, a cinematographer friend of mine to shoot it. So she like shot all this behind the scenes footage and it's been awesome to just, cause like usually I get asked this question a lot, like, oh, well, you know, just send us a photo of you shooting something. And I'm like, well, I'm the one shooting it. So I'm usually, there's no (laughs) photos, there's no video of me. Like, I'm the one doing it. I have one camera. (laughs) Like, um, so it's been really nice to have footage of me, like, actually doing something. Um, And then, what was the, oh, and the fourth one is a project I'm working with, with my other co-hosts from our movie podcast let's rewatch 
we're um, working on a fake trailer for Heavyweights 2. So we just sort of, it was like an inside joke that we were like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if they made a Heavyweights 2? And then Patrick Edwards uh, wrote it. And so I'm in the process right now, early stages of pre-production and trying to line up a producer and cast and whatnot for that one. But I'm excited about that one because we're basically just going to go on a camping trip and just shoot, (laughs) you know. <laughs> well, you know, if you need uh, an extra actor or anything, I'll make the trip out there. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> but uh, working in a collaborative group like that, you know, do you find it easier, more stressful, as opposed to working with by yourself, or is it more, uh, or is it just two different things, and you're good either way? Yeah. Um. I mean, filmmaking is a collaborative process, no matter how much you want it not to be. And there's definitely times where I wish it wasn't, you know, like I wish I could just do everything. Like I think um, going back to Star Wars, George Lucas. Oh, wait, there it is. (laughs) No, demon. Stop. Okay. It's always programmed to go off during podcast time. Um. Yeah, going back to Star Wars, like, George Lucas gets a lot of heat for um, making the comment that if he could replace everything with CG, he would. Like, even actors. And I still think, I mean, he gets a lot of heat, deservingly. But I also (laughs) understand, like, like if you could have 100% control, I get it. But to me, I think the fun of filmmaking for me... Like, I love being on set with other people and making something creative together. Like, I love that. That's my favorite part about filmmaking is being on set with actors and having an actor say, hey, I had this idea. Let me try it like this. And honestly, most of the time, the actors come up with ideas that are way better than I ever thought, you know, or Mm -hmm. a, a cinematographer might light a scene way different than I thought, you know, had originally imagined. And so I enjoy the collaboration. I also enjoy the control when I'm doing something all by myself, but um, it's just, I find the end result is always better when you're collaborating with other creative minds. So then when you're writing a script, Mm -hmm. do you usually, do you usually write, with the mind of uh, like how you're going to direct the scene or do you try and do you try to keep it separate? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, totally. I, when, um, since I am a director, writer, editor, and mm-hmm. now a shooter, like a, not the bad kind, like the, shooter. <laughs> uh, I, um, when I'm writing a script, I can usually already see shot for shot in my head what I want. Mm -hmm. And so I'm the type of director where I like to storyboard every single shot, um, in edited order. Uh, and, and I find, you know, there's some people who just go in with a shot list and that's cool, but I don't find that that works for me because, if I have the visual representation of what I'm going after, it helps everybody on set. Like, uh, especially my makeup artist. You know, if you have a makeup artist that's doing like 
a special effect makeup, like a zombie thing, or like in Zomcom Diaries, I had this makeup artist put a axe on our actor's head to make it look like he'd been axed in the head. And having this storyboard visual was tremendously helpful for her. So I just always, when I write something, it's like already playing like a movie in my head, which helps me too on set because I know exactly what I'm going for and I know exactly what I want. Um, yeah. Did that answer your question? <laughs> it, it does. It does. Because I mean, that's, I, I just, you know, it's got to be, well, you know, they say it's what, three different movies. There's the movie that's written, there's the movies that's directed, and this movie that's edited, right? The editor yeah. gets the last say. So you being all three, it's it's pretty good thing so that you can you can get your your idea out there your your straight up thought process. Yeah, and you know, being the editor is extremely helpful too because I I can go into the shoot knowing exactly what I need because I already know how it's going to edit together, and so I don't waste time getting coverage that I don't need. You know, it's like okay, I know I'm using the shot for this part, kind of thing. Right. Um. So yeah, totally. I I find um, if that's an advice I can give to directors is like go edit for a bit because it it's a game changer in my opinion because then you know you know where you can cut and you know how something can cut together. Now is that what's called? Uh, was it editing in the camera? Um, editing in the camera. I mean the old. The old school version of editing the camera was when they were shooting on like a reel of film and they would like roll and then stop and okay. then like go to the next scene and like like f- shoot it in order. It was kind of like what I think editing in camera means. Um, uh. So, you know, it's like a lot of the old school black and white films, they would they would do that. I mean, not a lot of them, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them, but So, as a as a writer, I, and I'm probably going to come back to that one more often because I try to, I try to be a writer myself. Mm. But is there any particular tropes that you love to use, or do you try and stay away from them? Um, uh, that's a good question. I don't necessarily think I'm the best at like identifying. Well, here's the thing: is like, as a comedy writer like writing comedy you can get away with so much and if you can turn a trope into a joke like if you can be self-aware right that it's a trope then it's fine you know right like if it's funny then it's fine so at the end of the day for me it's just like if it's funny then it's worth it um but yeah i don't know that i like consciously try to avoid them the thing is is there's also like there's time tested stories that you've heard over and over again and as long as you're telling that story a little differently you know it's it's been time tested and proven as a good story you know right star wars is like basically like a coming of age story where this guy is you know in some ways it's a coming of age story because he starts out as this like teenager who's done nothing and then all of a sudden the shoulders of the whole galaxy you know are on his shoulders the shoulders of the whole galaxy galaxy (laughs) wait a minute this just got awkward the weight of the galaxy is on his shoulders yes (laughs) just have this image of vader upside down on his shoulders (laughs) um but yeah i also you know i also send as far as like my writing process goes is like i come up with an idea and i 
pitch it to several of my friends and you know they'll give me feedback and they'll be like if if they like laugh then I know it's a good idea you know uh it's like once you pitch and and I'm notoriously horrible at pitching stuff so I'm not good so the pitch is not and uh but if they like seem interested or they're like oh that's clever or they laugh then I know it's a good idea if I sort of get like a yeah, that's cool. Then I know it's not an idea to pursue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll write a draft. Um, and I usually, like as far as sketch comedy goes, I usually don't write too many drafts. And then I'll send that out and get feedback from some close friends and see what they think. And then sort of hone it from there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know if I think I feel like I went on a tangent there. <laughs> no, that's okay. So it kind of gave me another question is that for feedback after you do your first draft, do you or any draft, do you always go to close friends or do you use an outside source that might not know you like personally so that you can get uh, a different perspective that might not be influenced by your friendship or anything like that? Right. Well, that's a that's a good question. Um I do always go to my friends. There's specific friends of mine who I either know are writers or um, or are just creative people that, you know, know a lot about storytelling. And I specifically will get their feedback. Um, I'm very lucky, I think, in the fact that I have some friends that will be brutally honest with me and tell me if it's a horrible idea, you know? Um so I don't go for feedback from people I don't know because I think because here's the thing with feedback is like nobody's you you're not you're never gonna write something that a hundred percent of the people like right mm-hmm. right like there's always gonna be somebody who hates it and so you have to you always have to take feedback with like a grain of salt in my opinion. And so I would never want to solicit feedback from somebody I don't know, because how do I know that they know what they're talking about? True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the way I look at it. I have uh, like a friend who's a professional screenwriter. And so I send him my scripts and he sends me his scripts and we give each other feedback. Um, and then I send a lot of stuff to Brett who will we've been friends so long he will be just brutally honest with me (laughs) (laughs) um but you know I always take everything with a grain of salt because like Brett and I don't necessarily always think the same thing is funny and I also know that a lot of my writing and jokes are either situational or um visual Mm -hmm. um kind of like you know a director I really admire is Edgar Wright and a lot of his stuff is visual that like on the page you might not quite get. And I feel the same way with mine is like on the page I've had people before who have read my scripts been like, Oh, I didn't get it when I read it. But then when I saw it, you know, I I thought it was good. So um, yeah, I think you got to find the people that you trust, but also like, you know, shop it around to whoever, you know, and see if there's like that spark of interest when you pitch it. And how many drafts do you usually go to go through before you get to a shooting situation? Honestly, like, I mean, when it comes to sketch comedies, probably like for sketches, 
maybe like three or four. Like I don't really go through a lot because with a sketch, like it's just all about the joke and the timing being right. Um, and there's not, I mean, there's definitely a narrative, but it's not like, oh, there's some deep, you know, uh, social commentary going on in the sketch. Like, no, it's like, we're just making fun of this thing, you know, that happens in Fallout or whatever. Uh, but with um, with Infectious, I think we went through like eight or nine, maybe even more than that drafts of the pilot episode. Um, so, yeah, so it just depends on what's being written, you know, and I think also preparing the most you can before writing your uh, your draft is good. Like, I don't really prepare much for sketch comedy because it's like three to five minutes. It's not that bad. But I'm, I guess, oh, I forgot to include this in my projects earlier, but I'm working on writing another web series. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very much trying to, like, prepare and plan out all, like, the setups and payoffs before I even write anything because so often you can write something that you fall in love with, but it's just not right for the overall piece. And you might be less willing to let go of that, you know, if you've already written it and have this visual, especially like when I write something, like I've already, I've got this concrete image in my head already of like the shots and I'm like, okay, I want to shoot it this way. And I, I just already know. So I'm, I haven't started writing that one yet because I'm just doing a lot of mental prep on <laughs> going into each episode and planning. So you were talking about earlier uh, putting up your projects on YouTube, and that's where uh, Zomcom Rom Diaries. Zomcom Diaries. Zomcom <laughs> Diaries. Um, <laughs> how invaluable would you say YouTube is to uh, a budding director, writer, director like yourself? Oh, that's a disheartening question because. Okay. To be very honest with you, and I have listened to Freddie Wong talk about this as well from Rocket Jump, um, like, to be quite honest, the disheartening thing is YouTube is really shifting towards vloggers and yep. narrative content is, like, at the bottom of the totem, totem pole right now for YouTube. Like, I'm, I'm actually on the the VidCon advisory board for uh, the creative track this year and helping picking, I don't know if you know, VidCon is like a YouTube um, convention. Okay. But uh, it's just, you know, everything else is so much more important than narrative content on YouTube right now. As far as like what you, you know, YouTube is really promoting vloggers and animators and, um, uh, gamers, you know, like gaming is huge. And so it's kind of a bummer that like sketch comedy and narrative content has, it's, it's not the best place for it anymore. However, I think if you can find your niche, you know, you can still find a niche, um, audience anywhere. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually myself at a moment where I'm like, oh, do I need to, spread out and be on other platforms, you know, as well, because YouTube's really going towards the vlogging, you know, the vlogging world, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, uh, you know, maybe when 
Well, not when YouTube first started out, but when it, it was able for just anybody to make something and put it on there and uh, get noticed, that was probably the prime time for something like that. And then mm-hmm. you get YouTube Premium, and they, they started doing their own original shows, but then obviously now they're they're not pushing towards that anymore. It's it, mm-hmm. and they're and from everything you hear, is the algorithm is is pushing more of people who upload every day, several times a day, stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering is that is uh, is a YouTube page for something that you're doing more for creating like a reel. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you could have um, videos that you've shot that are high quality online that you mm-hmm. can show other people your work, I think that's great. Um, and you know, YouTube can be a really good place too if you can find other filmmakers who are YouTubers and like collaborate, you know, that, that could be really good too. Um, but yeah, just in general, it's really shifting towards vlogging and I've tried like experimenting with vlogging. Um, and you know, I'll do more, but it's, it's like always a question for me personally, like this is my personal experience is the, (laughs) the inner like like struggle I always have with YouTube is I'm like am I just being sidetracked because I'm trying to pump out content all the time I you know am I being sidetracked and not focusing on the content I really want to make and instead just trying to get content out because if you don't release on a regular basis like that on YouTube like you you're not going to be a successful YouTuber right you know that's that's just the the cold truth. That's like the number one tip that people will tell you is like, including myself in my own YouTube course that I just shot, <laughs> uh, teaching YouTube's tips, uh, um, uh, which is on, uh, you can find it on LinkedIn learning or lynda.com. Go watch it and give me money. <laughs> um, just kidding. Uh, no, no, that's that's exciting. You, I heard about you talking about it on the pod, on your podcast several times. Yeah. That's it's very exciting. Yes, I, it's a course called YouTube Tips Weekly where I give tips about being a YouTuber. Um, but yeah, that's that's one tip that's not in the course. That if you're doing narrative content, you might want to find other alternatives. <laughs> but. It's it's still doable. Like there's still sketch channels. Like if you look at like college humor, you know they're still yeah. going strong. So it's definitely doable. Um, it's just exhausting having to release a video. Like I I struggle for I've struggled for years with just releasing a video once a month. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like and I just recently was releasing a video once a week, and then like the shit hit the fan and like real life caught up with me and I was like, I can't, this isn't sustainable. Uh, and so I haven't been able to release a video once a week in a couple weeks now, um, which I know isn't good. And it's, it's like all the, like trying to keep up with this algorithm thing, like a huge thing in 2019 is you do is going to be YouTubers talking about burnout. I guarantee right. you that that's oh, yeah. a huge topic. It's already a huge topic that people are talking about. So, um, and YouTube, you know, just a side note, like I, YouTube just made a huge algorithm change that I think has deprioritized a lot of sketch and narrative content as well. 
because um, our channel was definitely affected. And I know of other channels that are affected too. So, you know, it's tough. It's it's not <laughs> it's not an easy platform to would you, be on. Would you say that there are alternatives for uh, uh, narrative and sketch videos? I don't know what they are, but if if you, dear listener, <laughs> please let me know. Uh, I know that Snapchat has started releasing actual narrative content like you can watch shows on snapchat um i know there's instagram tv right yeah there's instagram tv i'm not a huge fan i haven't experimented with it much but i really hate the interface um but i i don't know because it's it's a vertical video yep you can <laughs> like a, a filmmaker friend of mine told me this hack she's like oh i just turned my video sideways and ex you know export it that way so that way even though it's vertical video it's like the viewer can just turn their phone and now it's like landscape and i was like oh that's brilliant but it's just uh i don't know i don't think it's the best platform mm -hmm. um the the thing is is a lot of youtubers complain about youtube and i know i just did but <laughs> Welcome to the club. But uh, I think overall YouTube is pretty amazing and has done so much for me. You know, like when we hit 10,000 subscribers, we got access to the YouTube studio in L.A. And, um, you know, they pay me money. I don't know of any other social media platform that pays me money. Facebook wants me to pay them money. Right. So that people who follow my fucking page will see my goddamn posts. Like, <laughs> It's just ridiculous, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I think people who can adapt and and think of a new clever way to integrate narrative content will be successful. I haven't figured it out yet, but <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> so, speaking of the podcast, then, because mm -hmm. um, we were, because we were. <laughs> Kind of. Anyways. Yeah. Ten minutes ago. Well, you guys did. You did put up your podcast visually on your on the on a uh, Facebook page or a YouTube page now or a YouTube yeah. channel. So. Can you imagine that on Facebook? That would be a horrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's 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 coming up on four years that you guys have been doing it now. Yeah, I think so. Brett normally keeps track of that sort of thing, and I don't really attention but i think it's been going for four years yeah that sounds about right sure let's go with that number <laughs> what was it that that brought the uh well at the time when you started with five of you together to do the podcast yeah well we were already a, a group of friends and uh it was the podcast was nick's idea um and also because like there were so many times where we would we all loved movies and we would mention a movie and someone else would be like, oh, I haven't seen that. And so it was partly a way for us to share these movies that we loved with each other. Um, and also because uh, it's always been a way for uh, us to stay in contact with Brett and Sam because they've always lived, you know, farther away than where I live. We've we've been best friends since high school. And so they used to live in Pasadena. And so that was like hours away from my house. And I'd still, dr we'd still drive there and like do the podcast live at their house sometimes. But 
it's always been a great way for us to stay connected. Um, and now they've moved to Portland. And so we've continued to stay connected. But yeah, it was originally um, Nick's idea to see, you know, hey, do these films that we used to love in our youth, like, do they still hold up? And it's been really, we've always called it, I don't think we've called it on the show necessarily this, but to ourselves, we've always talked about it as an experiment. Because mm-hmm. it's an interesting experiment that sometimes, like, it's really shocking. Like, I think the one that was the most shocking for me was Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, this movie is so inappropriate. I can't believe I like I, I honestly felt embarrassed for saying that I liked it. <laughs> on the podcast. Like, that's how shocked I was at how inappropriate and different, like, times are now compared to oh right yeah so it's it's been kind of crazy so other than crocodile dundee when you go back and rewatch these movies how much do you think of it is time passing or and then how much of it is um uh the fact that you've been through film school and you're more involved in the film like uh, movie making process that has that you watch these movies and judge them through that filter. Right. Well, here's the other thing I'll say is if, if you love movies and you want to be a filmmaker, go to film school. Right. If you love movies and you don't want to be a filmmaker, don't go to film school. (laughs) Film school will ruin movies for life for you. (laughs) I know. Like, I just, I usually like it's very rare that I watch something and it surprises me with a plot twist because I usually know what's going to happen. Uh, And because I've spent five years teaching myself lighting and camera stuff, I'm also very aware of the lighting most of the time and um, and the direction and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it definitely, I think most of the time I'm seeing it through the lens of being a filmmaker and, and seeing how the sausage is made kind of you know, <laughs> ruins it sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to just enjoy a movie. Honestly, that's why, like, sidebar, that's why I really enjoy Westworld because I have no fucking clue what is going <laughs> on in that show or where it's going and I love it I love it I love that I have no idea people like always want to talk theories with me and I'm like no 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 I don't I don't want to know because it's like the one time that I don't know what's going to happen um so yeah it's it's definitely that and then I think seeing it through the lens of what's appropriate nowadays is usually a, a jarring surprise you know where it's like whoa that did they just drop the f word the not the fuck word but the other right. <laughs> inappropriate f word in this movie wow you know like um or or like just the horrible sexism that we see over and over again in films that it's it's really interesting and i feel like i feel like it is that times have changed but i also feel like times have changed rather rapidly in the past just couple of years Mm -hmm. and you know maybe that's just my incorrect perception like maybe someone who's older will be like oh no that's just how it goes but it definitely feels like in the past four or five years like even even my own content sometimes I'll go back and look at and I'm like oh wow you know like that 
that was funny then, but it's not funny now. You know, right. um, it's kind of shocking. Is there any other movies that you, you've watched? Uh, well, I guess more to the point, because you said that sometimes it's, it's, it's watching a movie for the first time that you've never seen. So was there a, a movie that you hadn't seen that you is put to the top of your list of uh, favorite movies at this point? From yes. that, from something you watched for the podcast. Sorry. Oh yeah, you know, um, <laughs> it's the episode you were on, and you didn't like the movie. But uh, I was actually really surprised with Halloween. I really enjoyed it. I think because I I watched it through the lens of like paying attention to the cinematography, and it's the cinematography and what they did with so little money that mm-hmm. I really appreciated as a indie filmmaker myself. And so that one really shocked me because uh, we, we talked about it a lot on that episode, but I hate nightmare on Elm street. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't talk about how I hate it necessarily on that episode, but I, uh, this, I feel like that that's kind of was the spark of all this was like Nick showed us nightmare on Elm street once. And I was just like, how did anybody <laughs> take this movie seriously? Like the ending shot of a blow up doll being sucked through a peephole and door <laughs> is so laughable to me. I was just like laughing throughout that movie because it's so bad. Um, so I was expecting it to be that level of campy bad. And I was uh, pleasantly surprised. So maybe I liked it because I had low expectations. But that one, I was like, wow, I really enjoyed this film. Um, so, yeah. There you go. Uh, I mean, I would say that I hated it. I, I was I liked the fact that I got to watch it with you guys. And I also appreciated the, you know, what they were able to film on such a, a short budget. But later that weekend, going to watch uh, the new Halloween. Oh, I still haven't seen it. I need to. That one upset me. That one really upset me. Oh, really? Yeah, just because, like, how much of it was... Maybe it's because we had, I had just watched the other the the original mm. with, with you that I was just like there's so many shots that they just redid like shot for shot and oh. so much of the story was exactly the same when this is supposed to be a sequel to that one but yet they just kind of remade the, that one like to oh, me oh interesting yeah you know we just had that conversation on the podcast uh, our podcast too we haven't released it yet but we're um, we decided to try this new thing where we're gonna react to trailers. Oh. And yeah, so it's pretty exciting. It'll be like short little bonus type episodes, but we reacted to the new Lion King trailer and Sam brought that up where she's like upset that well, maybe upset's a strong word, but she didn't like the fact that the new trailer is shot for shot the original. Mm-hmm. And she was like, that doesn't put much faith into me that there's going to be anything different story wise or shot wise in this new version and that it'll just be a rehash with fancy CG. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Cause I looked at it from the perspective of, Oh, they're paying homage to the original, but surely the movie isn't shot for shot. But once she said that, I was like, Oh shit, maybe it is. Well, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, and I'll probably end up talking to her about that, but I, I would say that if you take a look at what they've done already with their live action remakes, like Beauty and the Beast and Maleficent and stuff like that, there is going to be stuff that is shot for shot as an homage, like you put it, 
but I think I think they'll definitely make changes and, and add things to these ones just so that it is different. And you're using a technology that allows you to do something different. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's it's interesting because it's like it's like where where's the line of like okay homage but also come up with your own thing right <laughs> <laughs> which I always think is interesting with with these remake movies like because I think the biggest um uh the biggest example of that would be the Karate Kid so you have the original nineteen eighty four Karate Kid and then you have the was it two thousand twelve remake with uh, Will Smith's kid, Jaden Smith. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and, you know, there's so much of it that is shot for shot, but then there's it's telling a different a different story just because it's a different type of kid in a different area because now he's gone to China instead of learning karate. He's learning kung fu. Either way, I'm just saying is that they're going to make that movie and they're going to, if they go too far away, then people are going to be like, oh, it's nothing like the original. But if they mm-hmm. if they don't stick if they too, stick too close to the original, it's like, well, why do I need to watch this if I can just watch the original? Yes, like, yeah, yeah. I I uh, we're going on a movie tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the argument I bring up with um, the Force Awakens. Is a lot of people are like, it was just you know the same Star Wars movie that we've seen before, and I'm like, well. Like how how else could they reboot this series? Because if again, if they went too far and did something too different, everybody would have would have hated it out, right. out the gate, you know. Mm-hmm. So they had to have things that story wise and thematically felt similar. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I also always make the side argument that like, why the fuck would they? get rid of that technology they just invested all this money in this technology like like w- since when does like apple go well the first version of the iphone just didn't work so throw it out you know like <laughs> of course they're going to try to do it again like duh anyway i love that movie but <laughs> come at me come at me internet <laughs> i prefer rogue one okay, okay. <laughs> uh but no uh that's that's Interesting that the the fact that you guys kind of used the the podcast as a way to stay in contact. Not that you weren't going to already stay in contact, but you know it, it gives you an activity to stay in contact with. Yeah. No, I hate those people. I'm never talking. To them. <laughs> um, yeah. Like if 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 you were to know me and my close friends, like they would all tell you like Ash invents content just so we can hang out. Because I'm usually so busy working on projects that I'm like, yes, we should totally hang out. Let's do a shoot. Like, that's just the first thing that comes to mind. Like, I did this cooking show with one of my friends for a long time, uh, The Hunger Dames. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just like a way for us to hang out. And then finally, she's like, you know, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. And we still hang out, but it's just, that's just my crazy personality is like, everything has to be a project. Like basically Leslie Nope is my spirit animal. And just right. like Leslie Nope, I will rope you into whatever thing I'm doing. <laughs> and you will become involved. And suddenly you'll be volunteering time or money or food somehow. <laughs> but you'll love it. You'll love it. You'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's your uh, binder with all the uh, <laughs> color coordinated notes that I gave you when you're uh, na- watching movies now like as you said earlier you, you now know how the sausage is made mm-hmm. do you find it that 
you watch more content or do you watch less content since you're you yourself are making content and then also but do you want to see what else is out there or is it more yeah I'm really bad about, <laughs> I'm really bad about going to see movies and I'm the monster that will like sit down and watch something and watch things in like 10 15 increments <laughs> I know this like this used to drive some of my friends crazy is like I am totally cool with sitting down and watching like 20 minutes of something and then coming back and finishing it later like that I know that's insane but (laughs) uh and I'm so bad about going to see movies in the theaters nowadays because I'm so busy like making content um so I usually am pretty bad about seeing new things in theaters i i tend to watch usually the movies that i'm watching unless it's something big like you know like a star wars movie or something that i'm like oh i have to go see it in theaters uh i usually wait for it like i just watched incredibles too like that's how (laughs) i am uh i i i think i just watched black panther like one or two months ago like that's how behind i am wow things i know it's (laughs) bad it's really bad um but it's like if edgar wright releases a film i will be right in line number one um but i tend to watch a lot of tv instead uh and not even real tv like just netflix let's be honest i just watch netflix (laughs) or uh or um the Good Place is the other show that I will not miss. But um, yeah, I tend to... It's funny because I feel like I prefer movie storytelling because there's like a finality to it. Mm-hmm. But it's such a commitment in my life to sit down and watch a movie that like I'm lucky if I do that like once or twice a month. It's really bad. And so TV shows are just easy for me to like... Like, I totally grew up in this household where it's like, okay, we're eating dinner and the TV's on and we're watching a show. And so TV shows are easy for me to just sit down and, like, watch while I eat dinner. And then it's like, okay, now I'm going to go edit something for some a YouTube video, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty bad about it. It's horrible. It's horrible. I know. No, I mean, creating is better than sitting and watching, I would, you know, yeah. for someone that's doing what you're doing. I definitely but, think it's important to watch stuff though. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So yes. then, sorry, I keep cutting no, no, you no, off. No, go ahead. So with that being said, what, what would you say is top five movies for you? Other oh, than Star no. Wars. Oh no. Uh, the dreaded question. Okay. Well, uh, Shaun of the Dead is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that also Jurassic Park, <laughs> right, off, right off the dome. Those are two of my favorite. Um, Labyrinth is also one that really, like, uh, I think influenced me. I really like um, fantasy content, and I feel like there surprisingly isn't necessarily, like, a ton of really good, you know, like, fantasy content can so quickly go into the cheesy zone, you know, right. of of like like legend where you're like what is going on <laughs> uh, but uh yeah gosh so that's three right fuck yeah that'd be, that's fine you can stay at three 
Uh, I'm sure there's other comedy movies that like I'm not remembering now. Um, I mean, I really enjoy like I mean, Anchorman's really good too. I didn't just Google comedy movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what that typing was. Yeah. Uh, um, gosh, top, the top five question is so... Oh, you know what is a movie that I really love that I feel like is really like underrated? Though I guess there's a huge fan base for it because right now everyone's raging about it on Twitter. But I really like Shrek. Oh, uh, because and here's my argument for why shrek is a good movie is like it's so cleverly and wonderfully written that whether you're 10 or 50 you could enjoy that movie um so i really love shrek and princess bride is another uh awesome one that i think is a perfect movie um for sure so that's five right i did yeah so I'm going to talk about Shrek in a second, but I want to ask you about Princess Bride because it's also one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. And maybe you know this, seeing as how you make movies and content. How did they do the diving into the lightning sand scene? Oh, I do know this. Um, so if you if you are interested in like an in-depth uh, explanation of it, Carrie... I can never, I'm never sure if I'm saying this. Is it Elway's? I think it's Elway's. Elway's book. So Carrie Elway's wrote a book and it's called As You Wish. Right. It's so freaking good. If you love Princess Bride, pick it up because it's just like, God, he's such a charming human being that you just wish was your personal human <laughs> i don't know but anyway that got weird uh you just wish that you could be the princess and princess bride but um he's just so charming in it and he talks in depth about that so what they did was they actually had um it was a real real sand that they're jumping in that had a trap door under it mm-hmm. and they had a um originally carrie was just supposed to jump feet first doubt into it so like what happens is um the gosh why am i forgetting the actress's name what is her name oh uh robin wright yes robin wright so robin wright goes down through the sand and then falls through the trap door and like lands on like a mattress or something underneath soft and then carrie was supposed to step feet first just like step into it and fall down through the trap door but on set carrie was like I don't think this is very like heroic of me to just go feet first. It doesn't feel right. I feel like I should dive into it because he does in the movie. He like grabs the the vine. Plant, the vine. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> and and he dives head first into it. And they had these store uh, these two professional stunt coordinators on set that um, had coordinate and craft you know choreographed and came up with this stunt and practice it for weeks to make sure that it was safe for the actors and um and so they were really worried about him going head first i mean obviously going head first is like super dangerous right so they had the stunt chore- uh, choreographer do it a few times and and see if it was safe if it could be done eventually he was like okay i think it can be done and they um the amazing thing about that movie is most of the time uh they're doing their own stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are definitely times where there's a stunt man in there, but the uh, the director, Rob 
Reiner. Reiner. Thank you. <laughs> so horrible with names. <laughs> uh, Rob Reiner, uh, you know, really wanted because they're like these big shots showing, you know, the epic scale of things. It's like really obvious if you suddenly put a stunt person in there. So Carrie did a lot of his own stunts. And so they, they were like, okay, let's do it. And I believe it's like the first take, I think wow. he said in the book that they went with, like he just did it and nailed it out the gate. But yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like I still can't quite wrap my brain around like, well, how did this trapdoor thing work? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he definitely talks about it in that book. It's, it's definitely worth a read if you love that movie. Because I was just thinking like, I mean, obviously hitting your mark in something like that is going to be pretty pivotal for mm-hmm. for that scene. How do you put a mark in sand? Like, what do you think he had to look at? Yeah, I don't know. Just go for the center band. Good luck. <laughs> Good like, luck. Yeah. Don't break your neck. Totally. And he did, he actually, um, there's another stunt. I can't remember what it was, but there was a stunt where Carrie injured himself and broke his toe. Oh, was that that was on the ATV? I remember that. Oh he, yeah, he was messing around on the set, and that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he didn't want to tell Rob Reiner because yeah. they just started filming, and and he was like, "I don't want to lose this job." <laughs> yeah, and I also think if you're if you're someone who wants to be a director, read that book because to me, the relationship Rob Reiner fo- like fosters with his actors in that movie is like totally the same that I try to foster where and not just my actors, but like my crew, like everyone should be having a good time. And if we're not having fun, then why are we doing it? You know? And, and so I love that he's like incredibly supportive of his cast and they talk about how they would like go back to his room and like barbecue and stuff in this hotel room with like a small (laughs) hibachi grill thing um, and that's very much like for me, like when a shoot's over, I usually take my crew out for like a beer or something because I definitely want to foster that like fun relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then talking about Shrek, uh, <laughs> I saw that you, you had, you had tweeted out that was that that Shrek that's being made that ridiculous movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I could watch it cause it's just like what is it like 200 different people who made pieces of the film right didn't they do that with star wars or they did yeah i remember i remember they did that with stars because i was at san diego comic-con one year and they i think they had showed us a trailer for that okay and and then like like i had brought up on twitter that they someone they did it for robocop as well oh okay but i also think that there is a remake in the works or a reboot in the works for shrek with the original actors. So that's, I think is also interesting. Is it, I didn't, I hadn't heard that they were sticking with the original cast or not. Is that true? I remember, I remember reading that, uh, Eddie Murphy and, uh, Mike Myers were gung ho for coming back, but I don't know about, um, Cameron Diaz or not. Mm, Yeah. mm. Wow. Yeah. I think it could be interesting. I mean, the thing about Shrek is like, again, I think the script is like, so good it's mm-hmm. so dialed in and and perfect uh so i would be sad to see them make script changes but um speaking as someone who's friends with people who are animators the animation is definitely rough when you <laughs> look at it. 
I it's not something I would have noticed until they pointed it out to me and then I was like oh yeah <laughs> there is like one texture in that background hmm. <laughs> you know so as a podcaster are there any podcasts that you listen to oh yeah um the oh, gosh um well uh my brother my brother and me the adventure zone any of the McElroy content is kind of my first go-to but mm -hmm. the um the other podcast I've been listening to recently, well, there's two other ones that I really love as far as stor storytelling goes. Um, one of them's called Thank You for Questing, which is uh, actually a podcast done by a few friends of mine. Um, shameless plug, but <laughs> and I'm not on it. It's a plug for them. But uh, it's an improvised uh, RPG show. But it's so good because they're all like professional Again, they're all professionals, like two of them are professional actors and two of them are professional writers slash animators. And so the stories they come up with, like, I'm just like, I can't believe you're improving this. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's just really good. And then the other one I really like is um, Heavyweights, which is by Jonathan Goldstein. It's a Gimlet Media one. Um, it's just sort of, God, how do you explain it? It's like... It's a little quirky and funny, but it's sort of like these little vignettes into people's lives. So like the one episode that I pitch to people all the time, because I think it's a really fun one to start with, is there's this one episode about this guy who used to be friends with Moby and okay. lent Moby the CDs that Moby used to sample that on his album that went platinum. That wow. basically made him. And Moby never gave him back the CDs. <laughs> and so the episode is all about this guy trying to get back in contact with Moby to get his CDs back, which is like so mundane, but there's something so charming and like interesting about it, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's that's a really good uh, podcast as far as like, that's sort of more documentary storytelling in a podcast format, but... Um, mm -hmm. I don't really do much documentary storytelling. Well, I guess Somcon Diaries is kind of documentary storytelling, but um, I don't. That's like not my go-to as far as directing. But as a video editor, documentary storytelling is like some of my favorite storytelling because you can just do so much more with documentary storytelling than you can with narrative. It's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> um, but yeah it's crazy but okay yeah. I've uh, had you here for just about an hour now just over an hour oh my you. god can I leave yet no, just almost you have to answer one question one more okay. question so if you could have one useless superpower oh my god I was just talking about this with my boyfriend last night <laughs> what so would it be? crazy <laughs> we both decided well Oh, useless, though. Yeah, it has to be useless. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> is The one that we were talking about is useful, but, uh. but the side effect of it makes it useless. <laughs> so maybe I can bend the rules here. But Let's hear it. But we were both talking about how, like, God, I wish I could just freeze time. But here's the side effect of freezing time. So you could freeze time, and I could be like, I could do so many things. I could edit so many videos. I could shoot so many videos. I could just freeze time 
and like do whatever I wanted. Or you could be in the middle of your work day and you'd be like, I don't really want to do this anymore. I'm going to freeze time and binge watch the whole season of The Office or something, you know, and then unfreeze. But here's the downside is that you would age so much faster than everyone else. (laughs) And your life would end up being so much shorter that I feel like you wouldn't want to end up using Like you'd only use it in like the rarest occasions because very quickly it's like after a year of using it and people are like, you're not looking so good, you know? (laughs) Well, I I say that counts. I would, I would add one more stipulation to it just so it's completely useless is that you can't like, you can freeze time and you can move around, but you can't move anything else because it's frozen. So thus you couldn't do any editing or, you know, working on something else. You could, you literally could just go to sleep, maybe take a nap. So you can freeze time to take naps. Hey, that's huge. <laughs> Listen, I'm at the point in my life where that would be fantastic. <laughs> I actually don't like napping, so it really wouldn't be good for me. Yeah, you know, I've never been a fan of yeah. it either. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you. Oh, Once wait, you go, what's oh. your superpower? Oh no, no, uh, useless superpowers. I, you know, I. I've never really came up with one. It's just something I ask other people. Oh, but, oh you just feel this impossible question to everyone yeah, else. Thanks. Exactly. You're right. I can grow my hair an extra three inches whenever I want. That's the useless superpower. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, where is the best place to find you on the internet? Um, well, my main thing is the YouTube channel, which is called Laughstash TV. So you can find all of my videos there. Um, I'm also on Twitter as Laughstash TV, but my I'm uh, I'm unfortunately more active on my personal Twitter, (laughs) which is at Ashes Stash. And then uh, that's basically it. I have the other things, but, you know, let's be honest, I don't really use them. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the main staples. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I post silly observations from time to time. And and Last Ash TV on YouTube is where you you post your your pro- your content your product your pro- yeah. projects and stuff like that. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me on Hey Mitch. Uh, yeah. As I come back in the new year. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, and yes, everybody also should listen to Let's Rewatch podcasts. Yeah. Uh, every other week they put out a new episode. So yeah, and if this is coming out in the new year. Yes. And there will be another episode with Mitch as we watch <laughs> Home Alone. So go back and watch that one and relive Christmas. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Mitchopedia, G-E-R. And uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio network. But until next time, this is... Hey, Mitch, on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.